check. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to an episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waite, and I have with me here Dr. Mike Corvino. What's up, man? Doing well. How's it going? Can't complain. Living the dream. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're in Sukasa. Um, I made a trip up here because I was at a conference and decided to hop over for a couple of days, hang out, chop it up. Um, you are the second third timer on the podcast. Ooh, so that means I have to come on a fourth time so I can be the... You got to beat my boy Dom. Dom yeah. was the burn pharmacist I recently did, and uh, it was his third time on. Another good friend of mine. Where are you at, Dom? Also just as good looking. No, there's a, <laughs> no shot. Um, yeah, so uh, I am... We didn't... It, it's not going to be super structured. Uh, we, you know, I just want to catch up with Mike here, and there's been a lot of changes, I think, in his career that has happened since he last was on. Um, a lot due to a lot of the things that we've been working on, um, you know, in terms of building our own brands and creating content and just, you know, trying to have an impact in pharmacy. So um, <laughs> I'm just laughing at the comments coming in from <laughs> my boy, Paige, the PA. He says, Conan O'Brien is next for Mike. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> congrats to him for just graduating PA school. He's the man. Yeah, congrats, my man. I'm following all your stuff, Paige, on, uh, on IG, and um, it's amazing. It's inspiring. I wish my pictures were as cool as yeah, his. Yeah, he's were. much better than we are. Yeah, no, his Instagram is way cooler than <laughs> mine is. Much more talented. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so, just for quick background, uh, for you know, a lot, of, you know, you think about the cues of how these podcasts work. A lot of time, people are first hearing the latest episode, so some people might not know who you are. So, if you want to just give a, a quick introduction. Yeah. So my name is Mike Corvino. I'm a pharmacist based out of Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I currently work for a federally qualified health center um, as one of their clinical pharmacists and uh, specialized in diabetes care. Um, also work with some uh, HIV and starting hep C um, and kind of do a little bit of everything in between uh, to help the providers any way I can and uh, also teach uh, pharmacotherapy for PA school at Charleston Southern University. So I teach uh, pharmacology one, two, and three. Um, which incorporate, incorporates, you know, regular uh, boring pharmacology in with the actual pharmacotherapy treatment options and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so also started Core Console RX Radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see how I added radio to mine. <laughs> yeah, just R- Core Console RX. Yeah. Um, started Instagram, also have a podcast. So that's how I know my boy Rich here. Core Console Radio sounds cool. It does sound cool. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to combine forces. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk to tell us how you got to where you where you are now in your current role because uh, I think that you're going to be doing some pretty cool things in the future um, and I think which is interesting because I feel like a lot of people when they get to certain roles if they have certain ambitions they usually don't stay in that role or it usually really transforms into whatever it is that they're passionate about so but you know before we might go into that how did you maybe get to this role because it's pretty unique I would say um, it's not a normal, you know, pharmacy that anyone could just kind of walk into and usually get to roll with. So tell us kind of how you got here. So, you know, r- right out of the school, um, I worked as a, uh, I was a pharmacist for a retail chain. Um, and then I had the opportunity to become a pharmacy manager pretty early on. So I ran a fairly busy pharmacy, mm. uh, when I was 27 and, uh, 
kind of took over there and, and ran that for a couple of years, uh, three years actually. And, uh, throughout that time I was kind of doing anything I could to, to stay current with new pharmacotherapy, uh, information and literature that was coming out. Um, I was volunteering with, you know, the school that I graduated with and spending time there helping students precepting. Um, I was uh, trying to mentor some of the students and, um, then I had the opportunity, uh, via, uh, word of mouth, um, and the podcast and some other things to actually teach at the PA school. They were starting a new PA program. So wait, you, you got a position at a, at a school because you start podcasting kind of? <laughs> so they, uh, <laughs> it originally started off kind of word of mouth and then the school, um, was really looking to be innovative and find new ways to kind of, uh, promote education. And so when they found out that I had a podcast and I was doing some stuff, they thought that was kind of unique and, uh, gave me the opportunity to yeah. try teaching. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> try teaching. Very appreciative of them because on paper I, you know, was not qualified necessarily. So mm-hmm. they gave me the opportunity and, uh, I like, but, to, I like to think it's going okay because they renewed my contract. So yeah, but not only did they renew your contract, and you talk, it's funny that you say like on paper you weren't, you know, what might be the ideal candidate was looking like, but you killed it. Like you, you, we were talking earlier, um, you know, before we came on about how you were ranked like amongst like the students as to like one of the top, you know, t- teachers there. Yeah, I mean that's you know if you give the kids twenty bucks they'll <laughs> they'll put whatever you want on the uh, the rating form. Yeah. No, I, I uh, just I think you know there's, there's a lot that goes into that as far as um, you know being their age and kind mm-hmm. of relating more and whatnot and um, you know maybe I'm not as hard as some of the others necessarily but um, I definitely cared a lot and I feel like the students for the most part could could get that vibe from me so yeah they were i was happy with the feedback that i got at the end of the year Mm -hmm. but yeah so after that uh just um from there kind of kept going with um pharmacotherapy uh you know keeping up to date with all my information and um just kind of kept opening new doors for myself looking for any opportunities i could to uh advance and promote my career and Mm -hmm. then from there um got this opportunity at the uh, new clinic and they brought me in as kind of their guinea pig clinical pharmacist. They had had a pharmacist there um, that was kind of a, it was a mentor of mine before, and uh, he kind of paved the way a little bit. Um, is there as part of a grant, and um, he definitely uh, kind of opened some doors for me. And they brought me in as an actual employee to mm-hmm. continue that role. Yeah, I think with that too, something I want I want to point out is uh, I believe in in a saying. I don't know who the hell said this saying before or like who it originated from. Uh, someone much smarter will probably be able to let me know. Um, but there's this saying that says, um, luck happens when preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would look at you and say that, you know, you might have gotten that position because you got lucky, let's say, like an associate, you know, adjunct professor, whatever the actual title is. Like people might be like, oh, he probably just got lucky because he knew someone or something like that might have happened, you know. And I think what's an interesting point of that is that you've done a lot to get to a point where you know how to grab the attention of the who those students were you've been doing a lot of research and studying to get some letters behind your name so you were ready to like educate people and prepare clinicians um you know with knowledge that they needed to be effective clinicians and i think all of that wrapped up to the um, preparation meeting that opportunity for you to kill it and appear lucky that you're kind of thriving in your current you know in your current role 
So yeah, I, I agree. Like I definitely am, you know, lucky, blessed, whatever you want to call it. Um, as far as some of the opportunities, but I definitely from the get, when I finished school kind of took every opportunity I could to continue my education, to continue to learn, to continue to grow because I've always kind of been in the mindset of like, you never know what's coming. And Mm so like you said, you kind of have to be ready for whatever happens. Yeah, Yeah. And I definitely feel like, had I not kind of been in that mindset for the three years after graduation leading up to the opportunity to teach, if I had kind of just stuck to what I was doing currently and just done my own thing and not really tried to stay up to date, um, by the time that opportunity showed up, I, there's no way I could have jumped because it was, I was, I felt very confident in my knowledge of, you know, general pharmacotherapy for, you know, the common disease states, mm. um, and even some of the uncommon ones, but I still, it took me a ridiculous amount of work to actually produce the lectures and stuff for that class. Yeah. So if I hadn't had that, that foundation, there's no way I could have taught. Yeah. So yeah. interesting. So what is it that you're doing now? Like, what's the role like? Like, um, wh- and what is it, what are you seeing that you're, cause I feel like you're, you're free now almost like, I know, I know there's still a lot of work to be done, you know, with what you want to do, but when I talk to you about things, it almost seemed like, you know, you, there's a, there's a feeling of freedom with uh, some of the possibilities that are there. So talk me through some of that. Like, what is it that you're, you're currently doing now? What are you looking to hopefully implement soon um, at the facility? So, you know, the, the role that I'm in now is, is kind of changing almost week, week to week, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, the, I was sort of, like I said, a guinea pig as far as um, coming in because I didn't have a, like a set clinical pharmacist role. And so it was kind of like, well, what do we do with them? We'll just let them staff the pharmacy because that's <laughs> what we use pharmacists for. Picture people in a room just looking at him like, what do we do with him? Yeah. Why is he here? <laughs> what does he do again? And, and so... You know, starting off, like I've, and I've still, you know, I mean, that phase of I'm still staffing more mm-hmm. than I probably want to. Um, but it's a progressively kind of now that I've shown, you know, proven myself a little bit more, gotten to have a better relationship with some of the providers. And I've only been there for three months, so mm-hmm. it's super early on. But kind of getting that relationship with some of the providers now, I've been given more responsibility as far as clinical input and whatnot and so um wednesday monday wednesdays and fridays i have patients that are scheduled just to see me so if patients have an a1c um, i think they have the cutoff is like nine or ten um if they have an a1c of nine or ten or higher um usually i get the 13s and 14s mm. um then they come to me and then yeah. we do thorough diabetes education and then um, you know, I collaborate with their physician and, you know, either change their meds or their regimen, dosing, whatever it needs to be. Sometimes I don't have to touch the meds at all. Sometimes it's just massive lifestyle changes. You know, mm. I have had patients who thought cholesterol was what increases your blood sugar, not carbohydrates. They just weren't from, they knew it started with a C. They just didn't know which word did what. Yeah. So there's some, you know, massive education, you know, opportunities that come in. Um, and then, you know, it kind of trickles down from there. So they've had patients where I came in for diabetes education, did that, changed some meds around, but then realized that they had a lot of depression issues, would not go to the psych referral to get evaluated. And so, you know, we kind of, uh, me and the nurse practitioner collaborated and uh, got them started on something um, because that we were their only option. They weren't going to go anywhere else. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, things like that. And, you know, the more that the providers kind of, 
become comfortable with me and then I know I'll have more opportunity kind of going forward and doing in more of the, you know, asthma and COPD and, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, all kinds of different, uh, areas that'll, that'll open up. So it sounds like you, you've gotten some buy-in from some of your other clinicians and, you know, people that are at that facility and location. What sort of tips or like, you know, what were you doing to maybe get that buy-in, um, from some of those clinicians? Um, I mean, and again, it's super early on, so, you know, I, I'm still kind of currently doing it, but, mm. um, I get I guess the big thing that I had to remind myself is cause I was going into this place where no one knew who I was, you know, I had built a reputation for myself at my old job and amongst people I knew at MUSC and whatnot. Um, but I was going to a position where these people had no idea who I was. I was just Joe Blow off the street. And so I really tried to be patient and then just look for opportunities to like throw in my two cents mm. and kind of provide quality recommendations and not just say, well, you know, I'm a, I have my farm D I'm a board certified pharmacotherapy specialist. Like, why would you not listen to me? Yeah. Cause some of these people are, you know, providers that have been practicing medicine for 20 years and all of a sudden some kids going to come in and tell you how to do things like mm. it's just not going to fly. So, and, and I would be the same way. I wouldn't listen to some random person yeah. um, until they knew that they knew what they were talking about. Mm. And so, especially since the fact that I was not, there wasn't really a pharmacist in that role before. Um, you know, it was kind of just one of those things I had to be patient. I'm still being very patient. I'm trying not to push my boundaries and all. Yeah. I still try to make sure I'm super, uh, respectful to the providers. Cause I do have a lot of respect for, um, you know, what they, uh, what they yeah. do and the, the, the value that they bring. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't think I have all the answers or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, I'm just kind of taking it week by week and just mm-hmm. trying to bring value where I can. So you mentioned BC, uh, BCPS certified. Congrats, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Especially going on, on the record here and saying congrats because that's an amazing accomplishment um, for anyone. But what I think is unique in your role is, you know, a lot of times people go to residency, they get there, they then, you know, sit, you know, a year out of school, basically. Um, you know, you've been a pharmacist for a couple of years now. Um, you, didn't, you didn't go the res- residency route, but you, yet here you are being an amazing clinician. Um, what... Like, what was that like? Like, give some advice to people that, you know, didn't do the residency, but are looking, they're in a community pharmacy now and they want to be, you know, get better at being a clinician. So, you know, not going the residency route, um, I think is not the answer for a lot of people. I think you definitely should, if you want to work in clinical pharmacy, should go the residency route. Um, I just kind of, I was very self-aware to know what I was going to the way I was going to kind of conduct myself, um, out of school. Um, I think that if there's any doubt as far as whether or not you're going to do a, if you will, self-taught residency, (laughs) you know, um, then there's no way you should skip residency at this day and age in pharmacy. So, um, you know, I'm going to kind of start off with saying that, but, Mm. um, because my path is definitely not the one I would recommend for everybody. But for those of you who, you know, are very self-motivated, self-driven, self-disciplined, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, the way I kind of did it is I looked at my time out of school as my time to really hit the ground running versus mm-hmm. where I think a lot of people are like, okay, this is my time to finally relax. I just did my rotations. You know, I went from being a student to making a six-figure salary as a pharmacist. It would have been very easy to live comfortably, go to the beach, and just kind of hang out a little bit. Um, I knew that wasn't my end game. And so, I mean, realistically speaking, and again, this is not something I promote for everybody. It's just just what, you know, I worked out for myself because I know what I'm trying to accomplish. Mm. Um, You know, I didn't take my first vacation to act like my first vacation to actually go have vacation and have fun um, for the first three years that I graduated 
um, from pharmacy school. My first vacation that I actually went somewhere and did something fun um, was with Rich, actually, and his fiance when we went to <laughs> California to go snowboarding. Everything else besides that had been um, to go volunteer my time in MUSC and yeah. um, go to lectures and pace, uh, case studies and things like that. Um, and so, you know, I spent all my PTO time doing that. Nice. So, you know, that was something that uh, I'm very glad that I did. But when it, it was super necessary for me to kind of stay current with mm-hmm. everything that was going on. And I saw a, a question on Instagram come through. Um, Leslie asked if she's still listening. I hope she is. Um, asked how, what were some things that I did to stay current? Um, just to kind of give you some quick ones. And you can send me a direct message later and I'll give you a lot bigger list. But um some of the things that I did to stay current was basically just uh, automated this, the process of finding new information. So I signed up for everything from, you know, up to date to Medscape to um, evidence alerts to anything that would send me um, information every single night uh, and basically just bring all the new updates, new pharmacotherapy guidelines, new uh, evidence-based medicine, the new literature, whatever it is, um, directly to my email. And I would just go through that every night. I got in the habit of kind of reviewing and going through every night and uh, looking through um, all the the new stuff that's come out and just spent a lot of time reading and kind of going through things. But yeah, that's the, the short, short and sweet version of kind of how I did it. Automating the process is key. If you have to spend all your time looking for the information, it's, it's no good. So I was just checking my Instagram for questions. I got none. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask was uh, I, I wanted to talk about um, some of the other disciplines at your at your institution, specifically caseworkers. Mm-hmm. I recently heard that um, there's a successful I don't remember I don't know the specifics honestly. I recently heard about this. I haven't done a lot of research on it, but I heard there's been a lot of success in uh, because of the whole movement in terms of understanding that there's so many things that goes into a person's health and um, and their wellness, uh, and a lot of times it's a little <laughs> bit beyond. Um, just, you know, basic adherence. It's a lot of lifestyle, uh, socioeconomic factors and social determinants of health is like a huge buzzword right now in the industry. So what people are starting to find success with is pharmacists working closely with caseworkers to take care of, um, to take care of patients because of all those other factors that come into their health. Does your, is your institution doing anything like that where there's caseworkers involved and maybe the, they're the, either their plans to, or currently working closely with pharmacists? So they are, we have a whole staff of caseworkers. Um, they're very involved with um, not only the potential, like you know, counseling and things with patients, but they're also um, there's a lot of a whole group of caseworkers that are just there to to help patients financially obtain their medications. Mm. So they'll find some way, shape, or form to get them their medicine, get them seen by you know whatever clinician or specialty they need, whatever referrals they need. Um, they're awesome. Like there's no way we could operate without them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, w- as far as patient counseling and all that, you know, we have like our behavioral health uh, counselor. She's a rock star. And uh, I won't say her name just because I didn't ask her permission, but <laughs> she is. She's awesome. She, Sharon. She's uh, yeah. We'll call her Sharon. It'd be funny if that was a real Sharon's name. Sharon's killing it. Um, but no, she. Uh, you can just tell she's she just truly cares about behavioral health. Um, mental health, and she's just, uh, um, I mean, a rock star. So, yeah, yeah. you know, without her, like, we've literally counted on her for a lot of the stuff. She's as a first, like, point of contact with a lot of the patients. Um, and so, yeah, then there, there's plans to bring on, you know, nutritionists, and they're, the executive team there is um, really you know, uh, like they're, they're a whole group of A players yeah, and they're not, nice. they're not taking prisoners. Nice, nice. They're definitely trying to take overs. It's awesome. I love it. Nice. 
Um, yeah, I I was not thinking about what else to talk about here. Um, I was really trying to figure out Sharon and her uh, her spiel. So, um, how's yeah, how's interviews the interviews over? Yeah, it's done. We're out of here. How's uh how's the podcast going, man? It's good, man. It's really I ha- good. I haven't been listening, unfortunately, a lot. I have not had a lot of uh, downtime. I haven't either. So, I haven't been listening to my own podcast. <laughs> um, we just well, post and go. Who who are some of the recent guests that you had? Like, what's been cool on there? Um, I had uh, Holly Berry. Um, she's a uh, <laughs> yeah. You guys have probably seen her in some movies. No, uh, she uh, she's a girl that actually graduated with me, <laughs> and um, so now she she used, uh, it was the last podcast episode we did. In episode oh, this is legit. 51. Sorry, I laughed at that. Yeah, no, it's a real name. We joked uh, about that on the podcast too. I think. Oh, okay, cool. I thought you were just kidding. Saying no, no, Holly no, Berry. that's her. Okay. Uh, that's her name, <laughs> and uh, spelled differently, but that's her. Yeah. And uh, so she started off. She did a PGY one residency, and then she started off in oncology. Then um, went to some internal medicine. Now she's doing transplant, like lung transplant. So she's been like mm. just boom, 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 knocking it out. So she was awesome to have on. And uh, she's at, she actually had reached out to me about coming on as well. And so it was cool that she was taking the time to listen and stuff. So mm. that was awesome having her. Uh, we had Dr. Uh, Eric Meisner from MUSC. He's a uh, hep C um, HIV specialist. He, he's the man, like one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. Yeah. And uh, so we had him on. He educated us on Hep C, HIV treatments, kind of where treatments going. He was just cool to have. Right? He's runs a clinic. He also runs a lab. So he's got he's got his MD, and PhD. So that's hardcore. Oh damn! Yeah, that's it's, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I really felt yeah. unaccomplished once I started talking yeah. to him. <laughs> it's like, I have like, done nothing I, with my life. What am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, I'm not playing up to my standards for sure. Yeah. But um, then I had uh, who else did I have recently? I had Neha Patel. She's a transplant pharmacist as well. Does renal and. Uh, um, liver transplants mm-hmm. and um so she was awesome to have on so yeah um you know had uh one in fact i just see him tuning on to instagram right now but uh brian gilbert um one of his interns or um, his residents rather uh was on recently him and uh the resident came on together so that was mm-hmm. awesome nice um so shout out to brian what's up man and uh so yeah it's been trying to keep it keep it fresh i really want to get more uh nurses pas nurse practitioners mds because like, I don't want to kind of pigeonhole myself to only having pharmacist guests and be biased. Yeah, I want yeah. to hear from everybody. I really want to promote interprofessionalism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of getting more than just some clinical pharmacists on there. Yeah. My mom's a nurse. I Is up. she? Cool. <laughs> Tell her to call me. Um, what was I going to say? So, the let's talk about, I guess, um, the transplant thing is interesting because... I had a transplant pharmacist on my on my podcast early as well, and I think one of the mo- one of the more interesting things I, I learned from that episode was that transplant pharmacists have a crazy relationship with their patients. A lot mm-hmm. of times, did that come up at all? Um, we didn't get too much into it as far okay. as the patient relationship, but I do know that she's um, you know is is a fantastic uh, advocate for um, continuing patient relationships and follow up, and mm-hmm. she works in the clinic as well some, and so she actually sees the patients for follow up and. Um, from everybody that I've talked to, she is like the go-to for yeah. any and all things pharmacotherapy related. Yeah. Um, the attendings go to her for stuff. They, she, the residents go to her constantly. So it's pretty cool to kind of see a pharmacist in that leadership role. Yeah. All right. What? Uh, give me something interesting that you've learned in your new role, like in the new facility. Like what kind of popped out at you that was like, either interesting or that you were like, wow, this is crazy different from being out in the community or what lessons, you know, that you saw felt were significant, um, kind of in the new role. Um, some of the, uh, just aspects of 
actually working in a clinic that you don't necessarily think about. Like, you know, we may know the textbook answer of, okay, you know, this patient needs to be on an ACE or an ARB for X, Y, and Z reasons. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put them on a, on an ACE or ARB. Well, we also know that that can cause acute renal injury in some patients. You know, you can get an increase in potassium. Um, there's some other adverse effects to watch out for. But, okay, so if you start them on this medication, you're the one prescribing under, like, collaborative practice. Well, when do I tell them to come to follow up? When do you... So a lot of the stuff that we kind of take for granted as pharmacists, if you've only done kind of recommendation-type roles, once you actually get into the room with a patient and you're the one responsible for coming up with the actual care plan and follow-up and you're going to be the one seeing them and, and drawing their labs and all that, um, that's one of the things that, you know, for me it was just kind of like a... Not that I didn't feel comfortable with it, but it was like definitely a, I had to take a second take of like, okay, am I doing this right? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I just hadn't had to think about that really before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more just like, these are the recommendations and then the provider would take it from there um, in the settings that I had been in previously. Yeah. Um, so this is where I had more autonomy and it was kind of on my shoulders. You know, when I'm signing the document, it's on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, yeah. One of the other things probably is uh, the ability to treat hepatitis C. Um, I've figured that that had to be done by an infectious disease professional, um, somebody who's an expert in infectious disease. And it turns out that, uh, you know, when we, that's one of the programs we're going to be starting very soon. And they really were just kind of like, they, we went through this long meeting um, with Dr. Meisner and he said, uh, he's like, all right, so who's your first patient? Let's, let's rock and roll. And they just, he's just like, you guys need to do this. Yeah. Um, And uh, we're going to be, you know, in, contact with him obviously with any kind of questions and stuff but um going through the provider training and you know i'm doing the same training as well um it's pretty crazy you know how available that kind of um education and training is for for someone to kind of jump into something that before i thought it had to be a specialist mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i'm like you know consulting on some of these uh patients who were kind of taking this on so yeah it's that's been pretty awesome too as far as being able to jump into some big big things like that yeah you see my, uh, I sent you a list of uh, the medication videos. Did you see that the hep yeah. C stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta use those. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, cool. How long, How what time is it? How long have we been doing this? No idea. Uh, uh, probably 40 minutes. 40 minutes? Oh, that's not that 45. bad. 45. Okay. Um, I love our transitions. What's that? Yeah. It's so smooth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got, um, I got nothing else, man. I'm, I'm, I feel like I, I caught up with a little bit of what you got going on. Um, anything else you Anything else you're up to? Anything you want to talk about? No. Um, I'll, uh, you know, uh, just keep you guys updated as I go on Instagram and whatnot. But yeah. as of right now, no, just plugging away. Um, yeah. Just trying to uh, take any and all opportunities I can to, you know, see what's going on in the future. Hopefully do some, some big things in 2019. Yeah. I'm going to try to take the uh, ambulatory care. Um, board certified in ambulatory care pharmacy specialist yeah. exam uh, this probably this fall and then uh, you know that's as far as like anything else like credentialing wise for me but other than that just keep going my job keep plugging away see what I can do yeah. keep growing the podcast yeah you're about to have like a full alphabet of like letters after your name it's gonna be dope <laughs> yeah it's, it's super <laughs> unnecessary but in some settings it is yeah so no, you cool, know man. it is what it is I'll play, I'll play the game and your Instagram is dope too. Like the uh, the amount of clinical information that you could get just by you know scrolling through and having in your feed is is awesome. And 
um i'm pretty sure not just me but a lot of other people are greatly appreciative so thank you for yeah man absolutely happy to do it it's awesome yeah but um cool good to hear all right um thank you so much for your time we're actually using his super fancy studio um at his place uh there's lighting everywhere there's like tvs and cameras and stuff everywhere i'm listening like using headphones which i usually don't use in person Hashtag Dr. Dre. That's the only reason we use these headphones. Because they look fancy. Yeah, because you can use the hashtags (laughs) on Instagram. Most of the people are like, well, you can get better quality with bows. Or it's like, yeah, you can't use the you can't use hashtag Dr. (laughs) Dre though, can you? Exactly. Cool. It's all about the uh, search engine optimization. (laughs) Yeah. Mike, thanks for being on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Hey everyone, first of all, thank you so much uh, for being a listener, for being a subscriber and taking in all the content that we're putting out. And, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms, uh, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Um, we're on all those. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.